This portion of the Fred and Jeff Show is brought to you by Barker Morrissey Construction and Power Women Investing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your further listening pleasure... Direct from the golf course and onto your radio, this is... Hello, everybody. The Fred and Jeff Show. And good morning, everybody. This is the Fred and Jeff Show. This is Fred Ronstadt, and I'm not here... Once again, with my little brother Jeff, and I have a little complex about that. But I am joined by Bill Bethel, who is the uh, house manager extraordinaire for the Arizona State Company. And science fair extraordinaire, helper, supporter, um, what have you. <laughs> so, Bill, we are celebrating the people, the places, the events, history, and culture that make living in Tucson and Southern Arizona so gosh darn wonderful. We invite people to visit us at fredandjeff.com, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and even subscribe to this tome of wisdom and entertainment on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. And my brother just started listening to Podcast Addict. So, Podcast Addict. Yeah, so add us on to that. So, uh, Bill, you are here to help. You know, you, you are actually uh, much fitter. A uh, better-looking man than my brother. A little bit taller as well. A little taller, so it's it's nice well. that uh, you know we have uh, some change change to the to the to the lineup. Um, yeah, he wasn't getting the job done, so he had to just delve, delve into the AAA ranks and bring somebody up and put him up at the plate. Here no, actually, no, we made a we made a lateral trade from uh, a, a struggling team. We we took their superstar off. Off. Uh, Pressure's on me now. <laughs> now I'm going to go over five and go back down to A leagues. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't want that to happen. So, Bill, let's uh, introduce you to the audience because your lovely wife and daughter have been on the show uh, several times, and, and you mentioned that you were the yes, helper and the science fair guru guy. But, but uh, Kathleen uh, Bethel, your wife, is the—I guess she's the A CEO CEO of the Southern Arizona Research. No, I always get this wrong. It's SARSF, but you can Southern Arizona Research Science and Engineering Foundation. And they have, yeah, and they have the annual uh, science, science fair. fair. We just finished our 61st year, um, doing wonderful, had a great turnout, um, changed our format somewhat, but um, great turnout, and <clears throat> really excited to talk about we the State Fair. SARSF students went up there and participated and did really well, and represented Southern Arizona um, at the State Fair level, and we have a couple of our high schoolers going to the International Fair as well, so we have... I think seven total students going to the International Fair, which will be in Phoenix this year. And we're talking about not only, uh, I mean, these kids are, are geniuses. The things that they, the, the problems that they bring to the table and then, and then figure out, uh, or the questions they ask and, and work on towards getting answers. Absolutely. Uh, but, but they're, I mean, they're getting uh, scholarship money. And we're, talking, we're not talking about chump changes, tens of thousands of dollars, probably millions uh, nationally, going to these kids uh, for their future education. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the money is remarkable. And even not so much the funny, the money, the funny money, um, but it's just the exposure to different organizations, different businesses. They are seeing what these kids are doing, the young young people, and just how dynamic um, they are and with problem-solving skills and oh, yeah. as we look forward to the future. so. Yeah, so great exposure for them. Great exposure. So um, this is the portion of the show we have our community calendar, uh, which is brought to us by TucsonHappenings.com. If you want to know what's going on in Tucson, go to TucsonHappenings.com, and they have a calendar of events, uh, things going on across 
the Old Pueblo, but there's stuff that we like talking about, and currently running through May 1st is the Arizona International Film Festival. Uh, Bill, have you seen any of the films? No, I have not. I've been busy with my obligations down to the theater. Oh, live theater trumps recording. I don't know, I don't know. There's No, I, I like both, but I just have been extremely busy. Um, yeah, so the, the International Film Festival is going on. If you want more information, uh, want to see listings of all the films, go to filmfestivalarizona.com. I actually went to opening night uh, over the screen room, and, and uh, if, if the, the opening film is any indication of the rest of the, of the offerings, uh, we have a phenomenal film festival going on. Um, today, right now, uh, is uh, the GABA bike swap is going on at 4th Avenue. The largest bike swap uh, in the Southwest twice a year, but it's happening today on 4th Avenue. We have about 80 vendors, uh, probably about 5,000 people wandering around 4th Avenue looking for deals on their bikes. Uh, we have the home tour of the Grand Adobes of the Tucson Basin going on April 23rd. Uh, with the Tucson Historic Preservation Foundation is uh, sponsoring that. And the uh, last thing I got before our break is uh, the Tucson Roller Derby is hosting the 2016 Dust Devil Tournament. Uh, naturally, uh, the, the bouts started yesterday, and they're going to finish up today. But if you want more information, go to TucsonRollerDerby.com. So, and are you trying out for the Roller Derby? You know, i got to tell you something. I love those roller derby girls because they are empowered women. And we've over the years, we've had them on the show, and we talk to them, and, and they are just phenomenal women. And, you know, they, they come from a diverse background. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine, actually, was roller derby. She's a, a vice president for Cox Communications. She was uh, doing roller derby. We have, you know, there are people who are bartenders. There are people who are librarians. Uh, in Pima County that are, are doing roller derby, it's, it's a, a gamut. But, you know, every single one of them have a great story about how roller derby has really uh, empowered their lives and, and helped them grow as individuals. It's pretty cool. But I want to see you see you uh, on some roller skates because people like us, there's actually a men's league, but uh, if you want to participate in women's roller derby in Tucson, the only... Uh, you know, actually, I used to be or have roller blades. No, roller blades. No, it's a four-wheel deal. I know it's four-wheel. Well, it is four wheels. I was just more one oh, but Not in line. <clears throat> I was an in-line skater and with the, my girls, and we would just race around the neighborhoods, go to 4th Avenue and different places, racing around. So, um, I don't know. Fred, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. We'll, we'll let you off the hook. Um, but uh, we're going to be coming back, and, and actually, you had nothing to say on your community calendar. I, I gave you at least a month advance to, to come up with something. But, but, uh, but I'm, there's, I'm, I'm still, I'm speechless. All right, but, uh, but I'll, I'll let you make it up. When we come back, uh, I'll, introduce, I'll let you introduce our guest and talk about uh, one of, um, actually, the last opportunities this season to enjoy uh, a really phenomenal portion, part of the Old Pueblo. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. Folks, this is the Fred and Jeff Show. This 
bit of the Fred and Jeff Show is brought to you by Unicom Graphics, Steel Door, and Sleeping Frog Farms. Now, time for more of the Fred and Jeff Show. This is the Fred and Jeff Show. This is Fred Ronstadt, and I'm not joined today by my little brother Jeffrey, but I am being joined by the ever-popular, uh, multi-talented Bill Bethel, I who hope, is the house manager for the Arizona Theater Company. I hope my wife isn't listening to this show right now. <laughs> <laughs> not so popular at home right now, but oh. there we go. Oh. Well, let's not bring up personal no, I know it. I mean, you know, Jeff and I sort of clear our personal uh, issues, you know, but these are like, you know, 50 years worth of personal issues that we, you know, work out on, on uh, public radio. Right. So, and I've seen that happen. You were, yeah, you've been a witness mm-hmm. in person and uh, uh, live and in, in Memorex. Absolutely. So, Bill, uh, in your role as, uh, <laughs> as a state house manager, <laughs> house manager for the Arizona Theater Company, you can see a lot of goofy people. Uh, rolling through this this uh, fine venue, I should mention that we are sitting at the uh, historic the, Temple of Music and Art in the green room. In the green room, with um, which is not green. Which no, is, it's not. It's, it's a misnomer. It is a misnomer, but it's a it's a fine shade though, whatever color it is. I think is it like an, a Navajo white? I would yeah, maybe would, Navajo white. Yeah, because it's not quite white, but it's got that little. It has a calming effect though. Yeah, it has a very calming. Yeah, effect. as a matter of fact, I, I need to take some uh, coffee because. I'm losing it. No, no. So, <laughs> so let's, let's uh, Bill, I'm gonna, uh, you know, the last segment we talked about how I gave you, what, at least six months to prepare for the show. Right. And uh, and you show up and empty-handed. And, and em- so Empty-handed. Wasn't it more like, I don't know, 12 hours uh, advance notice? No, probably eight. Eight hours advance <laughs> notice. Yeah, that's about it. No, but actually, um, my, my preparation is that I was able to secure the services and time of um, one of our fine performers for this current show. And um, Larry Cedar is here with us today, sitting on my right. Hello. On your left, we Hello. have Larry here enjoying this fine weather. Yeah. And um, that's all you got. That's all I have right now because I want to turn it over to Larry because I am anxious. To, I am, I'm speechless. I am, I am anxious to watch this show, our current show that we have. Okay, um, well, let's let's tell them, because I, I, I guess the shorthand uh, title is Discord. Yes, and but the long got, title is The Gospel According to Thomas Jefferson, Charles Dickens, and Count Leo Tolstoy Discord. That's the whole title, but we also call it Discord because... No one ever believes us when we say a whole title. It can't be. It's just too long. So, and this is going to be phenomenal. I mean, I mean, I, we, this is like, I, I say this every time uh, we, we talk to uh, artists from Arizona Theater Company, but there's a lot of these plays sort of like are imagined conversations with historic figures. I mean, it seems to be a very popular kind of thing yeah. uh, this, this, these days. And, and we've t- had conversations with, between uh, C.S. Lewis and... Uh, Sigmund Freud, we've had a conversation, a mo- you know, an end, endless monologue with uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, all, all these kind of things. Uh, I think we did a thing, to the, this, was it this season or last season, uh, Herschel Cohen did... Uh, Hershey Felder? Hershey Felder did... Irving yep. uh, uh, mm-hmm. Berlin. Irving Berlin, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these, and these are, are and, they're, and they're just phenomenal because you have creative people coming up with dialogue and, and interaction with in some cases, people who would have never even known each other yeah. uh, during that time period. Well, uh, people don't know this about me, but I'm a huge uh, 
uh, this will seem like an incredible change of subject, but it's not. I'm a huge UFC fan. You know what UFC fan is? A United Ultimate Fighting Championship? Well, yeah, during the break you're, you're talking about uh, yeah. your love of roller derby. That's correct. So, it, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't... So, I'll explain the connection. Uh, the, way <laughs> UFC, the way UFC started was, people used to go like, oh, you know, what would happen if you put a jiu-jitsu guy against a karate guy? Who would win? Yeah, well, what would happen if you put a sumo wrestler against an Aikido guy? This is the whole thing. Right. People always having these arguments, right? And uh, so they started Ultimate Fighting. They put guys of all different styles in, and, you know, it evolved into this thing. Well, so this is kind of like a cage match, what you've got with Discord. What would happen if you put X, Y, or Z? So as it turns out, Scott Carter, the brilliant author of this play, um, uh, and I'll explain the evolution of the play, but basically he put Thomas Jefferson, Charles Dickens, and Leo Tolstoy in a room, which is basically the waiting room to heaven. You know, it, it is, they're in a place, they've died, they all know they've died, yeah. but they don't know why they're here, and they don't know what's supposed to happen. Okay, let's, let's take a break sure. right there, because, yeah. you know, first of all, we're going to talk about the show. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or roller derby. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, during the break, you, you were talking about your love of roller derby. I, you, when I was but, a kid, yeah. Yeah, so let's, and, and just, you know, that was, uh, I think it's called uh, bank, uh, banked roller derby. It's, it's on a, on a banked Yeah, it's track. on a banked ring, a tiny ring. Yeah, so around. Tucson roller derby is uh, flat yeah. track. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so there's tough. Yeah. Because that means the uh, the inertial energy is constantly throwing them out of the ring. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes for some action. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny. I mean, you, you, it, and we were talking you know, talking about how it's like fake and, you know, back in the days. Well, like, you don't want to say that out loud. Well, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, like you know, the, the professional wrestling kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's a storyline. Yeah, yeah. But it's very it's very interesting because when you watch the girls with these on roller derby. Yeah. Um, there's actually strategies involved. Oh, in, yeah. I mean, when you're well, like, watching from, you know, the second... Oh, yeah, yeah. Second, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, how I used, they set up. I used to and, know the strategies. The, the thing is, it used to kill me is watching them fall on their butts. I mean, it's just, that's the most painful damn sport. There's no pads, there's nothing. They got helmets. I think they got stuff on their hand. Their wrists, maybe? Well, they, they, have, they now have elbow oh, and knee. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like a league of their own, you know, when they were filming that thing and all these women were, you know, playing, sliding into second in skirts. I mean, right. please. I mean, it's just brutal. So it's, I feel bad enjoying the sport, but, uh, because people are really getting hurt, you know? Uh, well, but, you uh, know, you, you watch what UFC. UFC, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's a, yeah. So, but, so we're going to talk about the show on sure. um, Discord, but, uh, let's talk about you a little bit. Okay. Because, uh, people who live in Tucson listen to the show, um, they're going to be coming to see you and it, I think it's, there's, there's a level of interest of knowing Who's coming to Tucson to, you know, the artists to come to visit Tucson yeah, and who yeah, they are. Yeah. So uh, I want to start off initially with your, uh, what is it called, uh, the, the, your... Uh, resume? Your, well, but it's it's the video <laughs> resume. Oh, oh my, my, your real, my demo. My your demo. demo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, saw, I went to your website. Oh, you saw it? And man, there's a lot of dramatic stuff going on. Yeah, you know, I like to mix it up. I like, like yeah, I like everything. I like mm -hmm. dramatic. I like, uh, I like uh, little action. I like comedy. I like, I've done children's shows. You know, for me, it's always been, what's next? You know, I like to do something and then try something completely different. You know, I played monsters, creatures. I played the creature on the wing in the movie The Twilight Zone. Uh, I played the, the vermin man in Constantine. That was you? That was me. So I do, I wow. just go from, you know, for me, it's just always been fun. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that at, you know, my age, I'm still playing dress up, you know, and cowboys and Indians and games and things. But that's kind of what it is. You just disappear into various characters. And I always call it a form of time travel. If you're a character actor, you basically get to live in different worlds. And uh, currently, I'm living in Thomas Jefferson's world, which is, you know, of course, fascinating and yeah. completely different than things I've done previously. I love it. Well, on the real, it was like you went from a doctor throwing uh, another doctor out of a OR. Right. Yeah. And then the very next scene is uh, you as a doctor 
giving your condolences to for the loss of somebody. It's like yeah, you know, yeah. total total flip mm-hmm. on. I just I recently I also played an opium addict uh, on Deadwood. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So you know, I was either giving drugs or taking drugs. You know? so <laughs> I, just can't, I just can't decide which suits me better. <laughs> you know. So so we're. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your history. You know, grew up uh, wanting to be an actor your whole life, or sort uh, of... I would say so. Uh, I would say that was always in my system. Uh, my father was very much against it. Uh, my fa- my my uncle, his brother, was an actor. He would always constantly point to him and he said, "Say, you want to live that life?" Because he was always struggling, and mm-hmm. you're not going to do that. You're going to be a lawyer. So I got into law school, and then at the last minute applied for acting school just because I just wanted to see what happened. I got in, dumped law school. I decided not to go and started uh, uh, acting school, graduate level acting school, and that was it. You know, so I, I, I guess I went on hiatus in terms of my dream from, oh gosh, ten, twelve years. But then once I started it up again, as a kid I knew I wanted to do it. But once I started it up again in '76, uh, which is yeah. when I started grad school, I knew it was for me, and that was it. I never looked back. I'm, I'm passionate about it, and I love the business. I love the craft. It's nothing about it that. I don't find just fascinating. Even the struggle, I find fascinating. It's a great challenge. No, so you're you're uh, an older gentleman. I'm like you know. Why? Thank you. Well, <laughs> but I mean, you know, when, when you were in grad school, when you were in grad school in 1932, yes, you were, I imagine, you know, doing the ingenue stuff, and 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 so you over. Time, I was very handsome back then. Well, you still are a oh, striking man. You 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 knew just what to say. <laughs> you're good. I know how to feed egos. Yeah, good man. I work. I, work, I have a brother that I need. To okay. <laughs> So, um, uh, but I mean, you know, it's it, in a career. You just, I mean, you you don't start off as a twenty-something-year-old kid doing character work. No, no, um, you do. I did a lot of just young, kind of young, fresh-faced. Kid. I did a lot of commercials back then, and uh, you know, various things. And yeah, as, as as a character actor, as your career advances, you just kind of move into a different category. Right. You know, I was I was a young kid, then I was a young dad, then I was a you know a regular dad, businessman, lawyer. Now I'm moving into older, you know, like detectives, maybe doctors, you know, older. And I, I tell you, if I can stay, you know, fit and ready, I can't wait to just do this into my 90s because there's roles for old guys, really, you know, older characters. And I played Lear, uh, which he's clearly much older than I am, but I played it with a very young company, the Porters of Hellsgate. And so I was older than all of them. And I really enjoyed it. And I would like to revisit that role someday. And uh, any, like I say, the more variety, the better. You so know? you have any, any bucket list? Stuff. And a bucket list, uh, I, I always want to play Iago. Um, I, I really want to play that. I definitely want to do um, uh, um, Oliver. Who's the character? Uh, Fagin. Fagin. I, I've got to do Fagin uh, before I'm done. And uh, So those kind of, let's see, what else? Those are the two. So are, the you, two are you tall enough for Don Quixote? Or? Uh, maybe Don Quixote, although I don't know that I have the... He's a real... He's almost like an elderly leading man. He's, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's possible. I've seen that. And yeah. I, I, I just never... It's funny. It never appealed to me like some of the others. I think I like darker, more twisted characters. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily want to play the hero. I want to play yeah. the, the weirdo. You know, I mean, it just appeals to me. You know, I mean, uh, Jefferson's actually pretty straight-laced for me. Uh, <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I'll tell you this. Our director, our... our brilliant director, Matt August, uh, who I've relied on to shape my performance because he really has a clear vision of what he wants, is constantly reining me in to just play it straighter. Mm-hmm. I'm always wanting to accentuate and do things, hands, emotions, everything. And he says, no, no, you, as he says, there's three characters. There's a burning, the three characters in this play, there's a burning inferno, there's a, a, uh, uh, a small, there's a burning inferno, a whirling dervish, and a post. 
and you are the post. <laughs> and then I say, I say, I just opposed it. He goes, well, uh, you're Birch. You're made of Birch, so you're, you're a little bit special. <laughs> but basically, Jefferson was a ramrod straight guy who stood there, and he had, I won't say he didn't have a sense of humor, but he was pretty much all business all the time. Uh, Dickens, on the other hand, uh, who's played by Mark Agliardi, who's incredible. He's joined our show for the first time after two previous productions. He is an explosive, whirling dervish of energy. So I've, in this particular show, learned to just stand still and be contained, which is different for me. But I'm really starting to enjoy it because I see that I can be the calm center of the storm. The, the exciting thing about doing theater like this is over the course of several weeks rehearsal, you find a kind of a chemistry between the three of you. You find a way of syncing up and working together that complements each other. Initially, maybe you're clashing, you're not sure how it all fits, and then over the weeks, it just starts to kind of gel and lock in, and then you've got your, your show. And then you just, once you're locked in, then you've got it, and you just play it out. You know? Right, so. all right. What, what, what other things do you have cooking currently? I uh, have a film making the festival rounds called She Sings to the Stars. You can actually learn about it by going to shesingstothestars.com. Uh, that's been in the festivals. Uh, I Is love it, that. Do you know film. if it's here? Uh, it's not here yet. In fact, I'm wondering. Uh, no, maybe the, the, the Arizona International Film Festival. You know, I was wondering if Jennifer, Jennifer Corcoran wrote and directed it, and I'm wondering if she entered here, but I think I would have heard. She usually tells me it's been in New York, it's won awards in New York and Canada and, and various places, uh, and it's going to be coming out on a limited basis. But it's a, I really strongly recommend people check out the website. I play a guy named Lyle who's basically a failed aging magician who's on the way to his last gig, 20 bucks in his pocket, and he gets stranded in the New Mexico desert. And uh, just outside the house of this American Indian woman who kindly takes him in while he waits for her grandson to bring water for his car. Well, they, they completely clash. I'm this cynical, kind of racist, um, you know, just, just finished kind of magician, and they're these kind of more spiritual people. Mm -hmm. And we have this clash of cultures, and uh, over the course of the film, kind of learn to appreciate each other. Wow. I, I recommend people check it out. Actually, we'll, we'll put a link. Oh, that'd to the be old great. Jeff show. Oh, that'd be fantastic. After I, after I wrote it on, she sings to the stars. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, put the, we'll, put, we'll put a link up. Yeah. Um, we got a couple more minutes before uh, we need to take a hard break. Sure. Um, and I don't want to get into the show a whole lot. Sure. Because, uh, I mean, I really want to you know, get in depth yeah. uh, with this. But give give us, um, you know, Bill had mentioned that your wife is in town with you. Yeah. And uh, it's always nice to get a perspective from, you know, foreigners yeah. <laughs> of, of the old Pueblo. So what have you experienced so far that uh, you liked? And even, well, you know, we're a positive show, but yeah. if you say, you know, Bill's really not. <laughs> Bill's Bill, Bill, Bill would understand. Bill's, <laughs> Bill's the best. Bill is the best. No, what uh, I, I've been saying this, uh, and it's kind of a joke now between Pam and I, I know the four blocks, what I know of Tucson is the four blocks between the theater and our apartments, because we've been in tech rehearsals, we're rehearsing all day and performing at night, and I literally go to the theater, home, go to sleep, come back to the theater, so I know nothing. She, on the other hand, has mapped out practically the entire town. Every day she gets in a car, she drives around, she's been to the museums, she's been to the mountains, she's been to the mall, she's been to the restaurant, she loves it here, loves it, loves it, loves it. She's been taking pictures of the natural you know, flora and the plants. Uh, she finds the weather, of course, has been amazing, and you know since we've been here. Yeah, it's beautiful. So uh, she's and she's going to give me a tour next week. Perfect. So we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. When we come back, right. we're going to be talking about Discord, Arizona Theater Company, folks. This is the Friend Jeff Show.
portion of the Fred and Jeff Show is brought to you by Barker Morrissey Contracting, Ronstadt Insurance, and Casa de la Luz Hospice. Now, time for more of the Fred and Jeff Show. This is the Fred and Jeff Show. This is Fred Ronstadt, and I'm not here with my little brother, Jeffrey, but I am here with the lovely and vivacious Bill Bethel. Thank you, everybody. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> I love Bill, but I do miss Jeff. Yeah. No, he, if, he, he if you knew Jeff, maybe not. So <laughs> well, no, Jeff is a force of nature. He really, truly is a force of nature. No, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. And a force of nature. <laughs> he's a good force of nature. So, uh, we're also here with Larry Cedar, who is uh, plays Thomas Jefferson at uh, Arizona Theater Company's uh, current production of Discord. And I will, the gospel according to, let me get this right. The gospel according to Charles Dickens, Thomas Jefferson, Leo Tolstoy, Discord. That was very close. Very, okay. Very close. So All you left out was the Count, Count Little Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And you flipped the order a little bit. Okay. And Thomas Jefferson comes first in the title, which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, but, <laughs> of course, right? Larry, Larry is playing uh, Thomas Jefferson. Now, let me, let me ask you a quick question because uh, it, it's haunted me for years. Oh. Do you think Thomas Jefferson got ripped off by being placed on $2 bill? I don't know how he would have felt about that. I See, what I'm learning about Thomas Jefferson is he very financially conscious. At the same time, he also spent way more than he made. So I think, yeah, I think he got a little ripped off. I think he would like to have been on a larger denomination. Or one that got used more often. One that got used more often. (laughs) Like a Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would have had a serious and long debate with you about that. I think he would have had a very serious discussion about that. Okay, so uh, (laughs) we are talking about Discord, which is the current offering of Arizona Theater Company. It's a conversation between Count Leo Tolstoy, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Jefferson, and Charles Dickens. Correct. And uh, Larry's playing uh, former president, former revolutionary. Yes. The author of the Declaration of Independence. Correct. So what did you do to prepare for this thing? I mean, did you did you come in saying, you know, I am going to know everything about Thomas Jefferson and then get thrown in this mosh? Exactly. And uh, it's funny how that didn't work out. Because... <laughs> <laughs> You see, Scott, Scott Carter, he's the most generous person in the world. And, you know, he basically will give you a book a week. He'll just give you a book. If he's interested in the subject or thinks you're interested, here's another book on Thomas Jefferson. So he would basically give us books all the time. So he gave me about five, now six this books. this is the director. This is, no, this is the writer. Oh, Scott the writer. Carter. And he gave, uh, he gave uh, the person playing Dickens, Dickens books. He gave, you know, so we all were kind of, it was kind of like we're giving our homework. Wait, 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 I, I just, a penny dropped. Yeah. This is the world premiere? The world premiere? No. No, it started out in a uh, small equity waiver house in Los Angeles. That was the world premiere. Then it moved to an equity house, the Geffen Playhouse in, Los- yeah. in Westwood. But it sounds like you were one of the uh, I was one, one of the workshop guys. guys. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I was- so you. This is the thing. You know, the people. I don't think give enough. I mean, actors like oh, Hannah Muscrip and you know, tell them where to move. Right. But you actually. I mean, from my perspective, and, and people will debate this. I, I'm sure. But this is your creation as much as anybody else's. Well, sure. Uh, now, there have been, and thank you, but there have been like three or four other productions now. Yeah. So the play is out there now. And yes, you could say that I originated the role. Um, uh, anytime a production is done, even this one, which is with the same director and two of the same actors, it's a kind of a recreation. You're starting from scratch again. And I don't know exactly why that is, but you rediscover well, sort of the, the nature play. of live theater. Yeah, and you rediscover the play. So even as I did the first production, I feel like I'm now 
doing it again. There's other people doing it, and we're each doing our interpretation. I would never claim to um, have ownership over this. Uh, it's certainly going to be something that's explored by many, many actors over the years, and I'm just doing my interpretation. The the, the so star of this show, seriously, is Scott. I mean, this is Scott's... 20, over 20 years he had this uh, in development. Right. And uh, there's a story behind that, which I could tell you if you're interested, but it's just fascinating how he came to this. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I love love hearing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, what happened basically, in, in as brief a form as possible, is um, Scott was his comic in New York, stand-up comic, and uh, had a very severe uh, asthma attack. He had asthma and almost died. And he had this sort of epiphany that he really wanted to understand what life was about, understand God and religion. And he, over the course of a very long period of time, he started talking to people from various religions in depth. And he wanted to have this kind of discussion about what is the meaning of God. He took an interest in Thomas Jefferson first, because Thomas Jefferson had written his own, uh, not written, he had um, edited his own version of the Bible. Found out Tolstoy did, found out Dickens did over the years. Tried to kind of put these guys together to have a debate over what God meant when he made the Bible. What was the purpose of the Bible? Each of them had a very different interpretation. So he throws these guys in a room and based on all of his research he actually has an argument between these three guys over what is the real purpose and meaning of the Bible. And that's the play. And uh, you couldn't have three more different individuals. I mean, you have an intellectual Thomas Jefferson who basically believes in reason. Reason. Everything is reason. He's less interested in the spiritual the miracles of the Bible. He wants the reason, the morality. Right. You have Tolstoy who approaches it as a lesson in being uh, having a pacifist approach to life, you know, uh, resist not evil, uh, which actually Gandhi eventually picked up on. And then you have Dickens who was all about what he called fancy, which is making fanciful tales. That's all the miracles and the magical things that Jesus did right. as a way to bring people to God. So they have this debate and they argue, ultimately only to find out that none of them is really right. And then at the end you find out what God... In, in this interpretation, actually really want it from all of us. So you take this journey. So we get, we get a cameo by God? You get, well, you could, you could say that God is present. Lightning and thunder. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Lightning and thunder. You get lightning and thunder. You get, you get God's voice speaking to us without actually saying anything. Uh, and we are guided by him in this room to the conclusion that Scott believes we, he wants us to reach. And I won't say what that is. It's for, for people who come to the play to see, but... It's quite a journey. It's an hour and a half nonstop. Uh, there's 15 scenes, but it's an hour and a half of us ha hashing it out with each other and uh, each coming from our own unique perspective. And uh, it's a battle, and it's beautiful, you know? And you're a post. I'm a, I'm a post, yeah. A beautiful post. And I, 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 I'm a man of words. I don't, ha I don't move much. <laughs> that, that, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about theater is, you know, it's the spoken word, but it's yeah. also what you're, what you're watching and, and the scenes yeah. that the, a director sets up. Well, you get plenty of action in this play. Uh, as I said, I am the still one, but Dickens is a non-stop, non-stop motion, and, and Tolstoy is smoldering, the smoldering, angry creature who's there. So it's so fascinating. And by the end of the play, we're all just kind of spent because we've just been had at, had at each other. for. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know what's at stake is, is, is eternity. We know that for us to move on to the next place, which is, you know, heaven, presumably, We've got to work this out, and uh, we're not sure all of us are going to make it. Maybe only one of us, maybe all of us. So it's it's really fascinating. You know? That is very cool. So uh, the sh the show's already opened. Yes. Uh, Friday night was opening night. There's previews before that, but yeah. but it, it it was open to just absolute uh, raucous love. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, and uh, you know that that's 
it, it's great that we have a community that embraces theater that way. I've been so pleased by the audiences. They are so open and welcoming and interested and attentive. It's a very, very talky play. Uh, we try to make it as fun and entertaining mm -hmm. as possible. There's a lot of comedy in this play. Yeah. Most of it is comedy, actually. Right. But uh, it's a play that requires some concentration and some thought, and the audiences have been right there with us every step of the way, and we've been getting some standing ovations, which is very generous of them. Yeah. And, uh, and we're just thrilled to That's be great. running here. So two other guys, yeah. uh, uh, Tolstoy and, and, uh, and Dickens, uh, one of, one of the, uh, the actors is like you, in a lot of TV movies. Armin Shimmerman, and he's, uh, he's best known for, he's done many, many things, but he's best known for his work as Quark in, uh, in the, the Star Trek uh, series. Uh, Deep Space Nine. Nine. And uh, uh, I don't know if everyone knows this about Armin. He's also a Shakespearean scholar and a history buff. And uh, basically, in rehearsals, we would turn to Armin when we needed any historical or frequently biblical questions answered. He's quite knowledgeable. Now, was he one of the other actors that workshopped this? Yes, he was one of the originals. Myself and Armin. There was another actor named David Melville who originated uh, uh, Dickens and did him at the first two productions. But he runs what's called the Independent Shakespeare Company in Los Angeles, and they do summer performances to 10,000 people or something in the park, in right. Griffith Park. So he wasn't able to come. Uh, and so we have this amazing actor, Mark Gagliari, who is famous for drunk history. He's one of the guys. Oh that, my God! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a legend. And Mark is incredible. He's incredible. You know, the, sometimes I mean I, I shouldn't be amazed as much as I am, but the talent that the, you know that the, the Tucson brings uh, is just amazing. We we get stellar artists coming through. Oh, you do great with, with here with er, with the opera company with our symphony. Yeah, I just um, want to say, I just want to say, anyone who's listening to this, who's ever considered coming here, but doesn't know anything about it, I want to be the first to tell you, you must come to Tucson. You must try to work for the this theater company. The the way they treat us is first class all the way. Everyone is so nice. The the uh, the heart, the creativity behind this is is so pure. It's a beautiful experience, and uh, I didn't know a lot about it before, but I will be singing the praises of this theater company for the rest of my life, and I hope I come back someday. Well, on that happy note, Bill, uh, we're <laughs> going to call this quits. Okay, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Larry. Uh, the show is... The Gospel According to Thomas Jefferson, Charles Dickens, and Count Leo Tolstoy, Discord. All right, and it's running through the end of, or mid-May? End of May. And April 30th is our last show. Oh, April 30th. Here. April 30th. Here. Yeah. Well, in Tucson. Yeah, yeah. Then, then we go to Phoenix for the month of May. Perfect. So April 30th, you guys got a chance to uh, see what's going to be, uh, I think, a phenomenal experience. And uh, thanks, Larry. Thanks, Bill. My Thank pleasure. Uh, this is the Fred and Jeff Show. portion of the Fred and Jeff show is brought to you by Anthony's Cigar Emporium, Power Women Investing, and Mayfield Florist. Now, time for more of the Fred and Jeff show. This is Fred and Jeff show. This is Fred Ronstadt and my lame brother is not here, but we're still having a good time on a Sunday morning and we've actually moved locations. We're now standing in front of Magpies on 4th Avenue and I'm talking to the lovely and vivacious <laughs> Jeanette Murray, who is the 
founder of Ben's Bells. Is that, that's, I guess, you have any other title? Well, I'm the executive that? director. Right. And I'm the founder. And okay. I'm Ben's mom, which is my favorite title. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about Ben's Bells for people who may not, I mean, if, if you've lived under a rock for the last, <laughs> you know, several years, you, you don't know what Ben's Bells is, but just sort of in a nutshell, what yeah. is Ben's Bells all about? Yeah, Ben's Bells is a is a uniquely Tucson thing, which is now spreading outside of Tucson. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's not. It, <laughs> but I mean, Tucson really made it happen. Right. You know, I don't know that it would have incubated the same way in another in another place. But really, Ben's Bells was born out of this you know incredible grief that I experienced with my family after my son Ben died. We were the recipients of just unbelievable kindness, and it really made me understand kindness in a different way, sort of a less fluffy way, and a more sort of raw, basic you know, human need sort of way. Sure. And uh, we made these beautiful um, ceramic wind chimes with friends and family in our garage. Um, and it was very cathartic to sit around and make these things. And on the first anniversary of Ben's death, we hung 400 around the community. And then as far as we were concerned, that was going to be sort of the end of it. But we put a tag on those bells that said, take it home and remember to spread kindness. Right. And we put a website on there. Yeah. Well, the stories we heard back were just unbelievable. And really what we learned was that you know, everybody needs more kindness, and people are very motivated to um, increase their kindness uh, capacity and their skill. Right. And so Ben's Bells just really organically grew and grew, and this is why I think what Tucson really, really embraced it. You know, this idea that kindness is a skill set, and when you practice a skill, you get better at it. Right. So what we've done is we've infused the practice of kindness throughout our community. So we have programming in schools called Kind Campus. You know, almost 200 Tucson schools are doing that program. So that means over 100,000 kids in our community are just talking about kindness, thinking about kindness, you know, thinking, you know, what does kindness have to do with it on a daily basis? Right. You know, we've sort of created together in this community, kindness is sort of in the air. You know, it's part of a way of life. Right. And that practice, you know, serves all of us individually and then as a community. Now, for those kids, you've, in, in the programming, uh, the curriculum for uh, the, the... Kind high, Campus. Kind Campus. Uh -huh. um, you sort of give them ideas of how to be kind. Right. How to practice kindness. Exactly. So all of the stuff that we do is evidence-based, and there's a lot of research about kindness now. So what we present to schools, and we give it to schools for free, um, is, is a whole lot of ideas and a framework for infusing the practice of kindness into what they already do. So schools and teachers are so overburdened with mandates and, you know, tests and all the rest that we know the last thing they need is one more thing. Right. But what we what we hope we're doing is, and what we believe we're doing from the feedback, is that we're providing something that actually helps them create a culture of kindness in their classroom and in their school that, um, that actually is an investment in creating um, a school that runs more peacefully, kindly, efficiently, fewer discipline problems, fewer absences, that sort of thing. Right. And that that investment in the time is actually a very, very wise investment. We do that programming in businesses, too. We have a kind colleagues program. So how cool that a person goes to work, <laughs> and they're doing it at work, and then they get to come home, have dinner with their kid, and they're speaking the same language. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And really, Tucson has just run with it. And we... Um, you know, we're, we're frankly, you know, a model for the rest of the state. Uh, the, Phoenix is starting to take notice. We've, we've branched out to Phoenix. And our goal is that, you know, pretty soon Arizona is known for its kindness. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to be very kind uh, in the next 30 seconds. But, you know, the, the fact that, that uh, Phoenix is embracing this actually gives hope for mankind. Because <laughs> you know 
that Phoenix is, is one of the many portals to hell in, in the universe. And I, I just say that not lovingly at all. Right, right. Okay, so we, we're working on it. So what my experience now in Phoenix is actually very eye-opening. So um, I, I'm also a diehard Tucsonan, a diehard Wildcat. Um, but I do believe we can have a healthy and friendly Tucson Phoenix, ASU, U of A thing um, that's actually kind and fun and competitive at the same time. You okay. don't believe me? Because, okay. no, I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, uh, on, the, on the football field and basketball court, I like to see blood. And I like to okay. see purple and, and yellow blood. More. <laughs> that, that's like, I understand. You know, there, there's some, you know, perverseness still in, in all of us. Right, right. I, I, I don't think I'll let, let that go. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you'll think about it. How no, can I be a no, rabid no. fan and still be kind? No, I, I, I'm still kind. There you go. I mean, then you're I, fine. I would offer them, you know... I would offer to call 911. There you go. If they were very kind. Down, so. Very kind. Yeah. So uh, you said mentioned earlier that, that there's a lot of research based. There's a lot uh, on kind. You know, mm-hmm. on the effects of kindness, mm-hmm. and that's actually being done here at the University of Arizona as well yes. as in Emory, but uh, Emory, uh-huh. uh, but uh, and all over the country all, and the world. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's cool that that you you are. Ben Spells is participating in this kind of research. Absolutely. We're, we're definitely contributing to it. We have an incredible team of evaluators at the U of A, and we have a scientific advisory council who helps uh, advise us on the work we do. Um, really what's happening in Tucson uh, we, is fairly unique, that there's this practice um, that is not just in schools, but that is sort of throughout the community. That's a little bit different than typical programming for schools, which tends to just stay within the walls of the school, right? right? It, it, it might be very branded to something or very... You you know, have a very specific language associated with it that only those people would know. Right. But with Be Kind, we found that that language is um, simple enough and infused throughout our community, community enough yeah. where kids can be doing this at school and then, oh, you know, they're driving home and they see the bumper sticker or maybe they see a mural or in the paper somebody's honor, you know, honor for their kindness. And this just becomes normal for kids, right? right. Because, you know, this is just something we do. We talk about kindness a lot. When we have a problem, we think about what would a kind solution be to that. You know, we, we, you know, we get more aware of our own thinking and our own emotions. Um, it's just what we do. And what would happen if all of us operated like that? Right. You know, that we're, we're very optimistic for what, um, what will happen, and we have some really great evidence for what is happening. And that is just a more aware uh, community. Right. And when we're more aware of our own uh, emotions and reactions, we can, be more, we can have better empathy for other people and really learn how to help each other and help ourselves better. So mom was always right about, you know, take a breath, count to 10. That's real. It's very evidence-based. <laughs> count to 10 is real. Right, yeah. because the way our brains are structured, there's part of our brain that's very reactive and very um, protective and self-centered, and that's great when we're actually in danger. Right, if there's a oh, yeah. rattlesnake going across my path, it's really good that that part of my brain kicks in. Right. But if I'm, you know, if somebody's just disagreeing with me, I don't necessarily have to go in full-on reaction mode. Right. I right. can learn to sort of calm that part of my brain use a different part of my brain, and be able to respond. Well, and get into that person's brain. Exactly. You know, Understand the how their brain's working, right. too, right? So one of, the, one of the sentences I love so much is, hurt people hurt people, right? Uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's profound, right? Because yeah. none of us treat somebody else badly when we're feeling great about ourselves, well, right? Saying, when I was in the city council, I used to find that people who were sad or angry or, I mean, any negative emotion you can attach to a human being, that those were the people who typically reached out to hurt somebody else. Right. And those are the people that need the most kindness, as hard as that is. Right? So that's really what we're practicing. Can we get our kindness skills 
ourselves up so high that when somebody's really difficult to us, we don't just react out of self-protection, but rather we handle it um, in a really thoughtful way. Now, that doesn't mean accepting bad behavior or being blocked all over, but it right. does mean that we don't just react from that same well, part s- of our you brain. You set your boundaries, but you exactly. don't... You don't uh you know, create a bigger problem. Exactly. You don't villainize them or whatever. You you know, you say, you know... Or feed the fire. This is a feed the fire, right? Yeah. You know, this, this is not okay the way you're treating me. You know, I'm going to choose to walk away right now or, you know, I want to talk I want to talk to you later when you've had a chance to... Whatever you need to do so that you're not just reacting right. to their reaction, right? right. So, right. and those are skills. And what with kids, we call it, call it being the boss of your brain. And wouldn't it be great if all of us were the <laughs> boss of our brain, right? So, yeah, I mean, so that's what we're doing. And we all know what our triggers are, you know. Sure. Or, or if we don't, we can learn what they are. Yeah. And we can say, you know, like, I'm a person who really likes to be right. And when somebody proves me wrong, I get defensive. We can learn that about ourselves. And we can actually um, sort of learn to, to calm that sol- our, right. ourselves and sort of talk to ourselves and say, you know, okay, you know, I don't have to be right all the time. I can listen to this opinion or right. whatever. Right. So, um, and really, it's super empowering skill set. Really empowering skill set. Yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, you take control of your life in a lot of ways. Right. You're not getting your buttons pushed by everyone else, right? right. So if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't have to go crazy and lose your mind and ruin your own day, right? You can instead go, man, I wonder, wonder what's going on with them. They didn't yeah. see me or they feel like they need to cut me off. I wonder what's going on with them. It doesn't, right. you, we don't personalize everything and take everything on. Right. Yeah. So. I, I, I have an internal statement that I make to myself when that stuff happens. Do you? What it's, is it? Can you share it? No, not, not uh. on radio. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, the, Ben's Bills is a great organization. Thank it's, you. It's housed uh, on Main Gate. We have uh, two studios, Uva, but right. also the old uh, Charles O. Brown House yeah. downtown. Absolutely. Um, but this thing ain't free, as they it's say. It's not free, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I used to feel really weird about you know asking people for money, but actually now I feel like this is a good opportunity for people to support something that's really for all of us, right? This mission serves all of us. Right. We're supporting over 100,000 kids in this community. These skill sets will, will serve them throughout the rest of their lives. These skill sets are predictors of success in careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really encourage people to, um, to engage with Ben's Bells both in the individual practice of kindness, but also in supporting the work we do. Right. We have a, um, a great party coming up. We're not fancy enough to have a gala, <laughs> but we do. We throw we throw a great party, and um, it's coming up on May seventh. It's called Celebration of Kindness, and a couple it's, weeks from now. Yeah, it's in our downtown studio. Um, great music, great food, great. You know, we do these great um, ceramic um, mosaic benches that well, we auction. Yeah, and if people haven't been to that studio, oh, you it's, see it. it's cool. Yeah, the building's cool. It's totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's coming up. People can go to our website and, and find out information about that and buy tickets. And ben, it, bensbells.org. Very simple. Yeah. All right, Jeanette, thanks so much for uh, spending some time. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, folks, uh, that's another one for the archives. Too bad Jeff wasn't here, but... We missed Jeff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have, we'll, we'll take a, a breath and think nice thoughts about my dear brother. Right, even though uh, he left you all alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have abandonment issues. Yeah. I'll work through them. Okay, good. Um, so, folks, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. This is The Fred and Jeff Show. Let's talk about a good time. Let's talk about a good time. I wish I could just go back to the days I'm speaking of. When a friend would meet you and a smile would greet you. What this old world needs now is old-fashioned love. Ain't it guitar? Yeah. Preach it, son.
This portion of the Fred and Jeff Show is brought to you by Sleeping Frog Farms and Fred's Meditation Salon and Tequila Lounge.